Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Chris Rydell, actor and now podcast host, I guess. Um, that guy you've seen on a million TV shows and movies, but you still do not know my name. And I'm David Allen Bache, actor and sometimes producer. And you also recognize me from lots of films and TV shows, but you probably couldn't name one of them right now if I paid you to. The two of us and our guests are going to let you in on some secrets on how to make it as an actor and share some private stories from the many movies and TV shows that we've worked on. That's right. We're going to interview a special guest each week, and we'll get their best advice and wisdom for you about how to break into this business and how to stay in it. And yes, again, there will be stories, stories, stories. So, let's get to it. This is Confessions of a Working Actor. Okay, recording is in progress. This is what episode is this, Chris? This is David DeLuise. This is David DeLuise. There it is. Go ahead. But right now, it's David Allen Bache. <laughs> so I think last week I shared about how I got into this crazy business. Right. And this week, it's your turn, my friend. Oh, I promised I would answer this question. It's true. All right, here's the short version so we have more time to talk to our spectacular guest this week. I went to Emerson College and studied acting there. When I got out, I immediately moved to New York City and, like all good actors, started waiting tables. And for about five years, I pounded the pavement, man. I walked that resume around. I didn't even mail the, the pictures and resumes because I wanted to save money on the stamps. I walked them around to all the casting agencies and the agents and and then uh, I got lucky uh, early on. I got, uh, in addition to getting a, a TV commercial that let me quit my waiting tables job, which was uh, I was one of the head and shoulders guys. I had the, the, the flakes on my shoulder that I would you know, go on, brush my shoulder off. Yeah, yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. And we call my wife's engagement ring the Procter Gamble Diamond. Right, because that was the first time I ever made any money in my life was that one commercial. And then I had that break, and then Pat McCorkle, a casting director in New York, went to bat for me and suggested that I be hired for a two-character play with Eli Wallach called Visiting Mr. Green. Amazing. And I think they wanted Ethan Hawke or somebody else with a bigger name, and Pat really went to bat for me, so I got to give her that shout-out. And uh, Eli and I did that show for, we did eight shows a week for, well, I mean, if you count the Coconut Grove Playhouse where we did the out-of-town tryout, it was almost a year and a half. And I learned more from Eli than I've learned, I had ever learned before that and since about acting. And then uh, someone saw me in the play with Eli because there's nothing to look at besides me and Eli and the and the the set, you know, so... Everybody in New York City came to see the play, all the casting people, and they said, ah, we like the kid. He's funny. Let's put him in a TV pilot. 
And I did a bunch of pilots. One of them was with our guest this week. I'll tell you about that. And uh, I was very lucky to get, to get into TV and film. That was it. And I was off and, off and running, as they say. That's amazing. That was a good, concise version, right? I can't believe you pounded the, you pounded the pavement. I know, right? Saving the stamps. That's, that's how we did it back in the day. It was all, it was all uh, you know, the OGs. It was all hard copies. I love it. <laughs> and now we get to hear how our guest, David. Yep, different David. Louise ended up in this business. We know that he has some, his family might have been in the business, I heard. Maybe. But, you know, what made you want to do this, David? Here he is. Oh, my God. I have unmuted myself, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hi, David. It's Chris David. Thank you for having me here. Happy to have you. Uh, well, I'm here, but I'm there in spirit with you. Amen. Yes. So for people who don't know, my, my dad was Dom DeLuise and my mom was Carol Arthur. Both of them in Blazing Saddles. Both of them doing Broadway and t television and movies and all that stuff. And, you know, how I got into the business was I was born. <laughs> and that pretty much started everything. I have two older brothers that are also in the business. And we had a video camera when we were younger and we would make movies and stuff. And I'm old enough that you guys understand that having a video camera was like a big deal. Yeah. We had said to my parents, we want to be in the business. And the response was, you can only have a childhood once, but you can always be in the business. So mm. we kind of focused on school, public school, went to Pacific Palisades High School, Although I did do a TV movie with my dad that he produced where I was, I, don't know, I was like 11 or something. Mm. And, and it was really fun. But then I had to go to school and work. It was weird. So I just kind of focused on, you know, high school. And then David, like you, I did two commercials in high school, a Levi's commercial, uh -huh. 501 Levi's commercial yeah. and a Pepsi commercial. And I had no job to quit because I was just in high school. But I made, I mean... Like, oh, yeah. I don't know, oh, yeah. 60 or $70,000 of one commercial. Yeah. Now you could just maybe pay dinner on, on one of the residuals <laughs> you get. Uh, my first uh, uh, show that I did on my own accord was Hunter with Fred Dreyer. It was like oh, a yeah, show. Fred Dreyer. I, he, I, he, he was like an ex-football player, Fred Dreyer. Yeah, right? Tall exactly. guy, big guy, he beat everybody and up, I, yeah. I played a purse thief, which was really fun. That was uh, just so big for me. There's my dog. And I'm going to keep talking. That, so that was really big for me because I did that on my own. And, you know, if you're Dom DeLuise's son, sometimes they, they, uh, you, the bar is set pretty high because my I dad bet. had some big shoes to fill. Yeah. And then I had a baby at 21 and I got a, six jobs in a row, you know, uh, uh, audition job, audition wow. job, audition job. And one of those was Third Rock from the Sun, where I played a student in John Lithgow's classroom. That's right. And I learned everything from my dad and mom. But John Lithgow set the bar because he was mm. at the top. He knew everybody's name. He knew his lines before anybody. He just yep. set that bar, you know. And then uh, while I was on that show, I did a bunch of pilots as well. It was tough. And I just say as an actor, I did a, a show with Jenna Elfman. It was called The Townies, uh, Ron Livingston, yep. Molly Ringwald. And I got recast off the pilot. Oh. And it was just mortifying. But then a year later, I was cast on a show called Jesse with Christina Applegate. And I replaced someone. So I had kind of both things. And when I got fired, my dad said to me, Welcome to the club. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, exactly, exactly. And then and then uh, uh, other jobs and life and stuff. And then I did uh, a Wizards of Waverly Place, played the dad. And it was, a, the, I think the only time I ever made a career decision, I was like, 
do I want to do Disney Channel? Because back then, Disney Channel was not like, you know, uh, very right. well known. It was Hannah Montana right. and Zach and Cody. Right. So they said, didn't okay, uh, they didn't have the Marvel Universe yet. Right. They didn't have anything like that that we consider cool. It was exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. They had Hannah Montana. That was right. what they had. But right. then I did that in the in the hopes of directing some of them, which I ended up doing. And then I was at this the end. I was at the mall and these two kids recognized me from my voice. And I was like, I made ah, it. that's the pinnacle. That's great. That's a and great story. If I may, I got I got to direct an episode and before my dad, a few episodes, but mm. the first one before my dad passed away, I was able to show him an episode oh. of television that I directed. And wow. He was proud. Uh, of course he was. I, I know he was. How cool and he should that? Be, and he should be. He should be. What was it like growing up in that household? I, loud. Very yeah, loud. <laughs> because I grew up with an actor and an actress, you yeah, know, Chris, as parents. Chris knows about and that too. I know yeah. that it's not easy, you know. I well, it, you had to be heard, so you had to be loud. And I would eat with my hands around my meal. My brothers would always try to eat my food. I was the youngest. <laughs> and you know, like when I was young, my, my dad was very a big personality. And I said to him one time, when we go to open house, can you not say the F word to my teacher? You know, like there was, there was a certain tone. My dad would drive into the school and drop me off at the classroom in his car. He was, he was a bit out there, but I love that. And mm. my dad loved people, whoever you were, what did your dad do? Where are you from? What's going on? You know, if you were you know, a famous person or you were a cab driver. He wanted to know about the human experience about you. So growing up, I also, my dad's mom's friends, like my godparents were Ann Bancroft and Mel Brooks. Uh, Burt Reynolds, we'd go to his house. Uh, Carl Reiner. I mean, the list is very long with the people, Norman Lear, the people that my parents knew, Gene Wilder, you know, all, all these people. Mm. They were just my parents' friends. You know, mm-hmm. so it was it was very special. Almost, I kind of knew it was special, but you know, I, I had a yeah. very similar experience. You know, my parent, my dad's friends. You know, it was like, oh, we're going to Jimmy Conn's house. Oh, we're going to Steve McQueen. Oh, John Wayne. Wow. You know, and it was like wow. I didn't know who these. I mean, you know, when you're seven, it's like ah, oh, you're you know with John Wayne. It's like whatever. Yeah. It's just this big guy, right, barrel chested guy. It's yeah. very cool. That's the Jimmy, that's Jimmy the Mayo. Con, rest God rest his soul. I did yeah. an episode of Las Vegas and he got to beat me up. I mean, who do you like better than Jimmy wow. Con beating you up? Amazing. No one. You know? That's it. That's it. But Steve McQueen, he's like, you know, I mean, oh, at geez. the top. That's like yeah. the pinnacle. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. That's well, so cool. I once went with Steve McQueen and Sidney Pollock and my dad motorcycle riding and my dad was too scared to ride me on the back and I got on with Sidney Pollock and we went down on the bike I was like nine years old we were dirt bike riding we fell over I neither of us got hurt but you know there was this is the kind of stuff that we got to do I was blessed (laughs) you know I look back and I'm like Mm. I I was lucky Mm. yeah it's very cool. Um, I was I was lucky too. David, let me ask you a question. So you, you obviously, as you in, to use your own words, your dad had some big shoes to fill, and you know even actors that don't necessarily have parents that were in the business, I think there's so much pressure about succeeding, about trying to make a living, about getting that next job. Was there, you know, one of the things we we like to ask guests is, uh, was there a time where you felt like you wouldn't make it, where you wanted to give up, where you thought? 
I can't, I can't live up to either my own expectations or my, or, you know, uh, my dad's or the business. Was there ever a time, you know, where you felt like, uh, I, I don't know what to do here. I'm at the end of my rope. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it's fun. I enjoy doing what we do. You know mm. what I mean? I love creating, whether it's building something or, you know, breaking down material or directing something or writing something. I enjoy creating, you know? Mm. So yes. I mean, I think my dad's uh, uh, answer, I just stole, I just steal all my jokes from my dad and they're good. They you work. Should. You, you know? should. Yeah. But what, you know, what's your favorite <laughs> thing about this business? My dad would always say the free food. But which is true too, because it's the best. Anything craft, free, craft is service, good. craft service. Is yeah. Best. Look, there's good and there's good and bad. When I would walk into an audition, people would go, "Okay, your dad was dumb to Louise. Be funny." Or, right. "Oh my God, your dad was dumb to Louise, and you look just like." <laughs> I just didn't say anything, and they're laughing. You know. Right. So there was positives and negatives. But the bottom line is, it doesn't. For me, my brother Peter said one time, we don't seem like a famous person's kids because we're not dead or on drugs. Mm. Right? I mean, we're we're out there working. And, and my dad sent us to a public school. I worked at a yoga store. I was a busboy. I, I did what I could to, you know, uh, not be entitled, mm. you know. Uh, uh, and And when I, to answer your question, when I had a baby and I was 22 years old, mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting the jobs that I needed to, to support myself. So I started painting houses and I was like, what, if I don't make it in this business, I don't know if I want to paint houses for the rest of my life, you know? So there was some questioning there and then doing third rock in the sun was the best thing for me because I was on there for seven seasons. I was a college student on the show, but I was also a student of what a sitcom was, right. you know, and like when we worked together, right. that was a good year for me, David, because I, I did know. that show. I did play dates. I had already done a pilot that didn't go. And then I did a pilot in second position for uh, Fox oh, with Dietrich that's Bader. That's the best. That Dietrich, I love Dietrich. Dietrich came on it our show been, on the X's. He came on. Uh, he's so funny. It would have been better if one of the shows had gone. Had gone, but, but right, right. We did. And so David and I did a play date, uh, a pilot called Play Dates back in the day. And I feel like it really was sort of like uh, a friend's with sort kids. of friends with kids. It was like friends, but they had kids a couple of years later and it didn't go. And, you know, we were I think each of us, I remember talking to you afterwards, David, and each of us were all like, oh, we're so devastated. It was. A, and then slowly you learn like, you know, it's a swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss, a single swing and a miss, a triple swing and a, swing and a miss. Then you all of a sudden you do you know, uh, 50 episodes of Third Rock from the Sun, and then it's a swing well, and a miss. Well, you forgot, you got to get arrested in there at one point. Swing and a miss, swing and a right. miss. Arrested for a second, and then... Right. A sh- no, Sorry, <laughs> I forgot that. I forgot that. Kidding. But it was fun. That was such a great experience to to work, you know, and I forgot his name, but he was on Blossom. He was the dad on Blossom, was our director, right? Oh, right. that's right. Was it Ted Wass? No. Ted Wass, It was, exactly. yeah, Ted Wass. Yeah. Right. And I, right. I loved, I can't watch sitcoms anymore. Because I just know what's going on. Right. I just don't enjoy it, you know. But I I know how to do it right. really well, you know. And and they don't exist anymore. They're they're over, right? For all intents and purposes, like uh, a traditional sitcom. David disagrees. No, no, it's not that I disagree. I think that uh, they're just few and far between. And I think that they, you know, I think they only they do only get made if it makes sense to the studio. And I loved being a sitcom actor. I loved being a sitcom actor because 
It was the easiest schedule in entertainment. You know, when I was doing some sitcoms, I I also had just had a baby. I got a chance to be with my daughter and, you know, you get out early in the day and we were taping in front of a live studio audience. So I loved it. I think we'll still see some sitcoms. I just think nowhere near the volume that we, we used to see for sure. Right. For sure. And, and like when Modern Family happened, which I, I consider a single camera kind of sitcom feel, mm-hmm. once that happened, you had so much more potential to go in different places rather than your traditional seven, eight sets that you right. have on a sound studio, you know? Right. So. And and now it's a different, you know, I think now it's obviously with all the streamers, it, it's a little bit of a different game now. And I know we probably have some actors that are listening that are that are nodding their heads saying, yes, it's very different. But hopefully we also have some actors and folks that are listening that are saying like, well, wait a minute, what about me? I'm just sort of getting into this. And so I think we want to we want to get some information from yeah, you. Maybe you could share with us, David, something that you wish you'd known when you started that, you know, now that I'd only be five, ten and a half. No, um, <laughs> I wish I wish I knew this. It's not about me. Mm. I do what I can, which is know the material, break it down and give them my take. Make a choice. Right. I always like it, even if it's a wrong choice, make a choice because down the road, another job might come up. But what I really got to was it's about being of service to the writer, to the director, to the casting director, to the other actors, to everyone Mm. else. Once I made it not about me, I did my job, but then I I was there for everyone else. It became so much easier and Mm. fun. Mm. You know, I, I was doing what everything you have to prepare and break down and do all the things that you need to do. And my, I did a bad audition one time was because I didn't do my job, you know, and then that in turn said, you have to do what you can. And, you know, there's, there's just a, a certain thing that fits. I got the part lead in a WB show when WB first started and they auditioned three, act, uh, three actors who were all amazing. We were paramedics on patrol. I was the guy we had a, like a, a partner read. Yeah. They were all great. I couldn't choose. They were all perfect. But there was one little mistake that something happened. And me and this guy, we had a little bit of a banter and that got him the job. Right. But it was very interesting to me to see it wasn't about me just doing my job. It was about me fitting into what they wanted. Mm. You know, so what what does it mean to you to be a working actor? Health insurance. (laughs) The A or the B? I think I'm so funny. Yeah, that's no no joke. These days, yeah, the number you. one plan yeah, yeah. or the two? Plan? Yeah, yeah, plan one or plan well, two. I mean, now, not is there anymore. even now there isn't even plan. a yeah? There is none. You just yeah. either I have love it. The, yeah, it's just you have to make I think just above twenty seven thousand, and then you get insurance, which I just made. It's different now. I used to do a guest spot and and then a recurring, and then oh my god, I got a regular, and I'm doing a part on a movie, and there's all this stuff and things happening, and now. I'm just hoping for a guest spot, not even a guest spot. And I, I'm your agent would call you. Yeah, maybe yeah. just your agent calls. Uh, just a phone call, a return yeah. call. No, David, I mean, David, you get yeah. you do you doing a podcast, so that's you can talk about that for a couple of weeks. You know, you just uh, yes, exactly, exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. I'm being very real with you guys and everyone. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy to audition for a co-star. I'll tell you that because it's a few lines, and no one that the I the past. Six or seven jobs that I've had, most of them are co-stars. But nobody knows. I know I'm, I'm letting the cat out of the bag. Nobody knows it's not it's not a guest star. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. They all think, oh, David Deloise is doing 911 on Fox. You right. Know? They don't That's know. Right. I mean, I did end up working a few days, but it's it's 
I enjoy being on a set. I enjoy mm. meeting new people. And what it means to be a working actor is I get to have fun every once in a while. Mm. And I'm good at filling time in between work. That's mm. what I'm good at. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, uh, that's a good segue. So here's a good segue to another question. You know, you've obviously been on a lot of sets and, you know, we do our homework here at Confessions of Working Actors. So we know that in, it was 106 episodes of Wizard of Waverly Place yeah. and lots more episodes. So, um, of all those sets you've been on, recently or otherwise, a, a very positive experience, something that happened with uh, another actor or director that you really stuck with you about how to be something that inspired you, someone who surprised you in a positive way. Well, that I already said John Lithgow and John Jane Lithgow, Curtin yeah. and, and French Stewart and everyone on Third Rock in the Sun and Jim Burroughs actually was directing. Uh, uh, that in the beginning and did an episode of Jesse. And you said this earlier and it reminded me that I was doing something on Jesse and Jim Burroughs. If people don't know, he's the number one sitcom director looked at the producer and, and, and my ex-wife was in the background and he said, the kid's funny. That's what they said about you. Mm, the kid's funny. It. And that's, that's all funny. I needed, you that's know, it. but when I was directing wizards of Waverly place, I had a conversation with, I realized you have to talk to each actor differently. Mm. I talked to uh, JT Austin and you really had to spoon feed it. Like, say it like this, let's do it like that. And then with David Henry, who played Justin, I had to experiment with him. We had to try things so he'd be happy with doing it the way it was. And then with Selena, uh, and, and I think people say this about teenagers, you have about 15 seconds to get information into a teenager. And that's after that, they, they're, they're checked out. I so can I attest. That. I can attest to that. I have a 13 year old daughter. I can promise you that's true. And the biggest thing that I learned was when I'm talking, you know, when you're being a director, you wanted to get your information across as quickly and concisely as possible, right? So I was talking to her, and I realized she, she people can't see me, but just imagine Selena Gomez's face, and she's dazed and glazed over is what happened. So I realized I don't need to take the time to try to work with her, and she was so good that my first direction came in between takes, you know, mm. it, it was like, Oh, I just have to massage her a little bit this way mm. or remind her of that. So how to talk to each actor is what I really learned. Uh, and that really helped me down the road with, with directing and stuff. But mm. the bottom line to that question is per my dad and John Lithgow, 
being an ultimate consummate professional, knowing everybody's name, knowing your lines, doing the best job you can and not being a pain in the butt. And I've worked with some pains in the butts. Mm-hmm. I bet. <laughs> I bet you have. We all have. Well, speaking of. <laughs> do you have a, a worst audition story? I do. I do. I think it was Suits or something. I just wasn't okay. ready for the audition. I was not fully prepared. And I don't know how you guys feel, but there's a certain group of people that are in the group of people that come up with you. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. go, oh, I was at auditions with him and her, and now he has been on a show for 10 years or that, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And this very sweet, nice guy, Richie Keen, was actually with me on the pilot that I did the same year as you, David, that the pilot that didn't go, it was a a thing that was produced by Sean Hayes and it didn't happen, but he was the director of the episode of suits. And I went in there, I didn't know my lines and I made, I just tanked it. I couldn't even say the words. It didn't happen. Uh And then I did what no actor should ever do. Uh Oh, let me me do it again. Let me just do it again. But, and then I did it even Uh, worse. worse. And then Uh I left and I I texted him after, and I just said, I'm sorry, I wasted five minutes of your time. And after that audition, I really never went into another room, you know, with, with the paper in my hand thinking, Uh Oh, I can just kind of be Uh there and, and do it. You know what I mean? So that's, that's my worst audition story oh. and richie Keene. i just did a show recently on the peacock network and he was directing and it was great to see him again and i and i am very happy he directs always sunny in philadelphia and mm. he's he's a go-to director now which i'm very proud of him and happy for him did you tell him about that story did you remind him when you saw him like hey no, why would i do that <laughs> no, good answer I'm sure. in the back of my mind in the back of his uh, mind he's like oh uh, hope david doesn't tank this oh, good answer very nice yeah. <laughs> I do have a worst set story. And I'm going to oh, say go it ahead. Really yeah. quick. Yeah, I yeah, was on ahead. CSI Miami, and I'm just going to throw him under the bus. Oh, wait a minute. I, worst, I, I got one you know? when you're done. When you're done. When you're done. David Caruso. Yeah, yeah. I've never worked with anyone so rude to the crew, to everybody. And he was an hour and a half late. We had already pretty much shot the entire scene. I've done all CSIs on that one. I was the person who got killed. I'm mm. dead on the floor. That's all I had to do. Mm. He comes in, he's late. They said, we lit you over here. And he's like, no, I want to stand over there. Well, it's an hour relight. He said, I'll be in my trailer. Uh. I was like, oh my God, who talks like that? Is this a joke? He's coming back. No, they relit. He came back. He was, you know, he says, uh, so what do we, uh, and he takes off his glasses. Yeah, I got to take off the glasses. Got to take off the glasses, right. 20 minutes of him trying to say two, two lines, just so crazy, yelling at people for Diet Cokes, all this stuff. And, and I'm not telling the story well. It's just mm. he was not a nice person. And I didn't I didn't like that. And I, and well, I was like, you're not OK. It's not OK to be that guy. No, it's not. And and to all the actors listening, that's what not to do. Never become that guy. And. <laughs> We all have stories, and we know we focus on the positive here on the podcast, but it's important sometimes to remember what not to do. And And I'll tell you what I learned about David. So so I was the very first villain on CSI Miami. So oh, I wow. was the villain in the spinoff where they leave Las Vegas because they've discovered in some bar or back room that a Miami sheriff has been skewered and roasted like a pig with an apple in his mouth. 
And they go down to Miami to investigate. And they meet the Miami folks, which was David Caruso and, and the other actors down there. And I'm the, I'm the villain. In the end, I get caught. What was most interesting to me was I had been warned about David. He had left NYPD Blue. He had left other shows. A lot of people would say prematurely and, you know, like, and not in a good way. So I was really ready for trouble. And it was the pilot, don't forget, right? And it was his time to get back in the game. It was his shot. And it might have been like his only shot to get back in. If it didn't work, I don't know what would have happened. A Jade, the movie he did to you know, <laughs> become a big movie star certainly didn't work, right? And briefly, he couldn't have been nicer. He was the nicest guy. He complimented my acting. He asked if I wanted to shoot my side first. Uh, he was on time. He was speaking nonstop about his child, I can't remember, son or daughter, who had just gotten into a, a very prestigious school, and he wasn't saying it in a braggy way. He was saying, like, I'm so glad that my kid has a shot at a real life with a good education, and I'm so grateful, I'm so lucky. So, and, and then I talked to a friend who, like four episodes later, had a terrible experience. So what's interesting is I think that as actors, if we haven't worked in a while, and then we get another chance, it's very grounding, you know? It brings us back to, like, like you said, oh, I just get to have fun at this. I just get to have fun. I just get to have fun. They're paying me to have fun. And clearly, we should all keep that in mind and not let that slip away in a few episodes where we start ordering people around and thinking that we're more important than we are. It would have been nice if I did the pilot. And thank you, David. Now I sound like a total butthead. For no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you, it's, you illustrate the point, my friend, which is, you yeah. know, we, we talk about in Hollywood a lot how quickly success goes to someone's head. And here was a guy who had shot himself in the foot in his career and had another chance and seemed to be relishing that. And for whatever reason, you know, the gratitude dissipated and he was left with just the the absolute power kind of, you know, corrupting things. And that's we that's also the found the out that it takes four it takes four episodes. Four episodes right. for him to become right. <laughs> that's I guess that's the average. I mean, I don't know. I know, you know, my my pal Kristen Johnston who you know well, you know, she has uh, very publicly admitted to some very bad behavior in her own career. That's not me telling stories out of school. And I love her for that. I love her for saying, like, look, I was on a substance at that time, or I wasn't present at that time. And I love Kristen in a very special way. And part of why I love her is, is her ability to say, you know, like, well, four episodes in, I was blah, 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 you know, so we it's good for all of us to keep in mind that we're lucky if we ever get an acting job, whether it's a series regular, whether it's a co-star, whether it's, you know, when we're first starting out, whether it's extra work, we're, we're very, very lucky. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I, okay, so I was doing the Christina Applegate show, Jesse, which was on After Friends, and also doing the recurring on Third Rock in the Sun. And there was a guy... I don't care. Bruno Campos. He was the meanest, <laughs> awful. He was terrible to us. He was like, I don't know why you're talking about your stuff. It's just filler. I was like, oh, oh, if I saw him right now, he's the only one of two people, my ex-wife, Bruno Campos. I don't <laughs> like those people. Wow. So I said to Jane Curtin, so what do you do with people? Like what, you know, if somebody's saying, she goes, oh, you don't know the rule. She said, there's always one. And if mm. you don't know who it is, there's always a, a pain in the butt, right? And if mm -hmm. you don't know who it is, it's, it's you. It's you. And, then, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is, in all fairness, to after what you just said, I said, but here on Third Rock, like, wait, we don't have anybody. And at that moment, Kristen, 
poked her head in and said, does uh-huh. anybody have any pills? <laughs> Amazing. And, and I looked at Jane. I was like, oh, maybe I'm not here. I had no idea, by the way. I had no idea that she had a, a something going on. I, I knew that she was very skinny, but I didn't know whatever was happening. Uh, uh, she was a very a, a professional on that set. So yep. I But still with, over. and clearly still had her, her impeccable timing. That was. That's yeah, right. <laughs> that's perfect. That is perfect. David, we usually end our segments with a gem that maybe you could give our listeners to the best piece of advice that someone shared with you. My or, dad or and you, mom. Oh, sorry. No, I'm, go I'm ahead. Ready. I'm sorry. No, go I'm, ahead, please. Chris, I'm ready for this, this I, because it's, it's prevalent in my life and it's not just about acting, but it's about life. I want to hear Which it. is my dad and, and mom always said to me and my brothers and to my kids, we all have a gift. We all have something to give. So give your gift. And when, anytime I was going to an audition, my mom, mm. my mom would always say to me, give your gift. And I knew, you know, I knew that meant be genuine, be yourself mm. and don't worry about anything else, you know? Mm. So that's what I say to anybody that's going on an audition or just out into the world. Give your gift is is what I say to you know up and coming actors. Beautiful. I That's spectacular that. advice. And you know, we've heard from some other folks. Those three words, give your gift, are are very special. We've heard, you know, you do you, right? Be yourself. This is all I think this is sort of the a little bit of the magic for for anyone, but specifically for artists and actors, which sometimes we we want to paint with the colors we think someone wants in their living room, right? We want to try to be the the character we think that they want us to be. And really it's about trust. It's about trusting yourself, trusting your instincts yeah. and, and, and going with them. You know, it's making the choice. This is, this is my perception. This is what I see, you know, and, and doing that rather than like you said, David, using someone else's colors or what you think they want to see. That's right, because you can you can never really predict what it is uh, casting is looking for, and um, you know, and and uh, you know this. I mean, you have friends, and Chris, I know you know this too. Like we all have friends who are casting directors who have said to us, you know, at a having a drink or a, outside the office, like we're rooting for you. You know, we want you to succeed. We want you to walk in there and be the answer to our casting problems, because we want to find the right person. And and if you come in. And you happen to be the right person. Like we're thrilled. We 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 just want to see you as you. We don't want to see ten people trying to be what what they think we're looking for. And, uh, that, and if that, I, yeah, go ahead. I love it. I was nervous about you interrupting me, and I'm just interrupting <laughs> you all over the place. Yeah, but I yeah, want but, to say this yeah, but, to the. It's a, yeah, oh, but, yeah, but, it, the thing now for younger actors, it's not about going in the room anymore because right. of where we are. Every single audition I've had has been. I'm recording it. Thank God my wife is, you know, willing to work with me and read the the material with me and everything. And if you're not ready to shoot and film yourself in a professional manner for an audition, you're not going to get the job. I mean, that's part of it now that yep. you have to be able to film yourself and have good lighting and framing and yep. obviously do a good job. But and let me ask you this, David, with you auditioning on tape now, you know, like filming yourself, mm. do you prefer doing that because you have so many different takes at it or did you do you miss going in the room i you know chris and i talked about this a while back i i like a little bit of both i like to be able to do as many takes as i want 
but I'm also a, a really dangerous perfectionist. So I, mean, I have a, a tattoo here on my left, list, left wrist that says there is no perfect. And I got that when my daughter was born. And it, I needed to literally put the letters on my body to remind me there's no perfect. So it's a little dangerous for me to be able to do as many takes as I want. I like the comfort and safety of my living room, but I didn't become an actor to be comfortable or safe. So I really miss going into the room and having the casting people that I trust say, that was great. Now, throw it away a little more or care a little less or get a little angrier, just bring the stakes up a little more. Like the casting people, you know, the good ones give good notes and they, I really feel yeah. guided and shepherded and I, I like that. I just want to share before we wrap up that one of the best pieces of advice that I got recently about self-tapes was I was talking to a guy who coaches actors and he said, you know, one great thing to remember in this technological age is it doesn't matter about the titles, doesn't matter about the transitions, you fade in and out, you do cross dissolves, you you type your name and you put it in the front and you do your slate and you, he said, that's all fine, but that's all mechanical. The only living organic thing in front of that camera is you. Not the walls around you, not the lighting, not, yes, of course, try to make it look professional, right? Like you said, like make it a professional looking audition. But if you're real, and you're authentic, and you're really listening, and you're present, and you make an interesting choice, and you believe what your character believes, like, that's the part that's organic. And that's what they're looking for is something that's real on that tape. Because a polished, canned performance with great lighting, and, you know, if you, you're wearing the doctor's outfit with a stethoscope, or you, you know, it's like, you don't need all the trappings. When it comes down to it, it's really just about, like you said, you know, Give your gift. And the best way to do that is just just give it. Just be there and give it on camera. And, and that was beautiful advice from your mom, I'll tell you. That's going to stick with me. Great. I like it. Th thank you so much, David. Oh, David thank you, guys. David DeLuise, everyone. Fun. David DeLuise, thank you for sharing uh, everything you share. We know there's lots more stories. Chance. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll be able to talk another time after the podcast is a uh, you know huge hit uh, next year you'll come back and do the the best of or something i don't know i'm i'm ready and thank you guys for having me and i appreciate it good luck to all the actors out there and give your gift great well it's been another great 20 minutes with you my friend and you too brother it's been fun yeah that was great Cool. I thought that was awesome. All right, star, star that. That was terrific. And we got another great guest coming up next week, so be sure to tune in again to Confessions of a Working Actor. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 